0: All right, we're back. We have...
1: Where is Al? I don't know. We, we lost Al, but we picked up Zach. Al's went AWOL. Yeah. But, but I'm, I'm filling in, so I'll be the guy that says uh, it's time to take a break. Oh, okay. That's your job. You have one job. <laughs> so this weekend, we did the Mia move, and we, we made an adjustment because we didn't meet last year because... A lot of these kids are, uh, vulnerable to, you know, especially in the coronavirus. just think last year. So, uh, we didn't meet, we had done a couple before two or three. I can't remember exactly, but what we'd do is we'd do a fundraiser. And then we would have like a fun day with the families and kids that some of the kids that we had helped through, uh, people donating to Mia's charity. And so what we decided to do was just do the do a weekend. Forget the fundraiser. We, we just kind of said, you know what? God will provide, and, he, and it really has. A lot of good-hearted people have contributed. And we just focused on the families and the kids. And we let Mia, or I asked her, I said, look, this is named after you. So, we need you to lead us because you know more about from the kids' perspective of what this journey is about. And uh, so, boy, she stepped up and moved the venue. We we moved out to camp. It was a Friday night where they got together at the hotel, and they and the behind the hotel they had movie night. They put a big screen up and they watched a movie. It just kind of had fun together. And then Saturday it was like eight to eight. We, uh, it was just a very well planned get together. We had about over thirty families, so that that was about a hundred people or over a hundred people. Probably had thirty or forty volunteers, and it was just fun and it was engaging with the kids and different activities and. I, I think the best part was probably uh, right in the morning session for a couple hours. All the parents get together, and it's kind of our uh, sharing time about various things that are going on. And I noticed the older, the the parents with older kids who are later in the process, they did most of the talking, and the ones that are have just had kids with. These conditions, it's a little more raw and they have a lot more tears. And because we all went through that process, you know. But what we do is we just give a platform for people to engage with each other and form these bonds and these relationships. Because you think about it, it, it's 18 to 20 years of just suffering in a managed position Mm. and uh, managed surgeries multiple surgeries and a lot of these kids I've shared this before they have a secondary either syndrome or issue not just the cleft palate or facial reconstruction there's something else we actually had two people poke fun at them oh yeah that you know so they're it's part of it but these people these families you know that you just think how tough these people are they're just warriors I mean we had one family they have two two of their kids have this condition Mm. so uh you know, I can't imagine. We also had two kids there who have a syndrome that that doesn't even have a name. It's just it's a number with letters. I mean they said it and I was like, No, what is that? 'Cause we they actually the medical world actually doesn't know exactly what it is. And so uh yeah, you know, you're talking about difficult. But all in all, <clears throat> we had the day, we had the sharing session. Uh, kids had a great time. And then on Sunday morning, we usually invite them to one of our churches that we meet at, but it was so many of them and we're still in some of these protocols. We just, we asked the hotel manager if we could just have a service behind the hotel by the, around the pool. Where where were you? In West Monroe. Yeah. And, uh, of course, guess what? She's a believer in Jesus. And she said, absolutely. (laughs) So Mia and uh, our our neighbor, our neighbor's son, who's about the same age as Mia. He's about 18. He plays the guitar. Mia plays the piano. They did a couple worship songs. I did an overview introduction into Jesus around the pool with all the families. And then Mia and Missy sang that song, "The Blessing." Oh yeah, that's a good one. I'm gonna tell you, there was not a dry eye around that, that pool. I mean, it was it was moving. Because I, you know, really, we we had even in on the weekend. I did a lot of these these stories and uh, miracles of Jesus, but walked the line of you know where. I, told you, I read the story about, you remember the guy being let down through the roof? And I was like, we want to be those friends to you. And the yeah. ultimate goal is to focus on the spiritual side of things and the <clears throat> character because the first thing Jesus did when he saw them let him down out of the roof is he, he forgave him his sins, which that was, that's great. Since we know the end of the story, but from this guy who's who's paralyzed, he's probably disappointed in that. I mean the whole goal was oh. to be healed so you can walk around. And so I kinda with the people that I have involved here, you know, that's our issue. We we you know, this is a physical grind for years and that's a
0: lot of suffering is going on. With the removal of his sin has eternal ramifications. That that yeah. was Jesus's point. Right. You know, let's get right with me first. Yeah. Which is
1: what I, that's what I was focused on. Like, like in the sermon on Sunday, which I it wasn't a sermon. I was like, I'm not a preacher, but this is, if you, you research this yourself, you know, I kind of explain the Bible in a simple way where it's focused on Jesus and that God is for us and, it's a love letter woven through history, and we had gone through some of these miracles that it, that had happened, and why do bad things happen, and and why you know why doesn't God just heal this situation? How do we respond? And so ultimately, the kind of the theme of the weekend, which was Mia's idea, was that First John three one that says you know we're children of God, you know in love. Were children, and she had a tagline: "Remember whose you are," you know. Mm-hmm. And so, because her doing this was really good for her, because I think the best thing you can do when you experience difficulty is ultimately get through it, and then help other people going through the same difficulty. And so, uh, yeah,
0: that, that,
2: that's key, man. I think our our culture t- typically wants to minimize pain at all costs, but some of it's unavoidable. When you go through moment you go through that kind of pain, like Mia. The, 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 I mean, that can really build the character in somebody. That that uh, you know, that it, it can really shape a person. Which, by the way, I heard she's coming up here for a yeah. few days while you while you guys are over overseas. Yep,
1: that's true. And what we did, I mean, you got to remember these uh, when you're when you're. With all these families and you know, we had our emotional time and we had our our spiritual time and our bonding time, but we also just had a had a blast. I mean these kids So it's I mean, like a
2: retreat. It's a it's a oh, getaway yeah. for them. It, oh They're it coming. is They're un- well,
1: unplugged. And Mia came up with all these real clever games and ideas that I would never come up with that the kids love. I what mean, are I, the ages of the of the kids? Oh, it's from babies to 18 to 19 years old. Oh, wow. You had something for everybody. I mean, this one kid who was 13, he he kept trying to get me to play in there. They had a little basketball game because you had some free time along the way. Yeah. And, uh, of course, I'm like, hey, I'm too old for basketball. I ain't picked up a basketball in five or six years. But. They're just, they kept after me and they kept after me. So I was like, okay, I'll play. You know, I walked out. Let's do make it take it. You know, threes or twos, twos or ones. They're like, what? And uh, I'm like, because I figured since they're all young teenagers, the only shot we had is if I get hot. So we play make it take it. And so we start playing. It's fun. But, you know, there's other kids around in the gym. And this is a four on four. They're all teenagers, and I'm not. Well, this one kid looked about 14 or 15. He does two step-back threes in a row, nothing but net. But as he walked by, he said, you might ought to have somebody get on me. And I thought, (laughs) but when he said that, all of a sudden I went back to being, in my mind, a teenager. I thought, boy, what's going on here? So, Which I liked it. So anyway, to make a long story short, Missy comes out there and like, hey, we, we've moved to the next rotation. They've rung the bet, but we're in this game. So I'm like, okay, first one to seven, and we were losing 6-3. So I hit a three, made it 6-5, and then so we get the ball again. Well, they stole it, missed a layup. You know, there's a scrum for the ball. It's going toward half court. I go out there. One of our kids, he like bumbles it to me. I I just got the ball because Missy, at the same time, is like we have to go. She she's just she's being like this game is over. But I'm like I've already said, hey, we're playing a seven. So I picked up the ball. Two people come to me. I'm kind of falling away, just fired up, nothing but net. <laughs> and so my buddy who got me to to play one of the kids one. Of He's thirteen or fourteen. He was looking at me just because everybody kind of went. Oh, I mean, it was a pretty lucky shot. But he's looking at me with his mouth open, and I said, "Yeah, that just happened. I still <laughs> got it. <laughs> now let's go." You know, so it was it was so much fun. But so you had those well, moments and like different time. We had a fishing and a boating time. Those are the areas I hung out. You know, they also had arts and paints and you're doing these different things and each rotation, you know, there's different things you can do, but it was just a real good family outing with a spiritual emphasis. Cause you know, I said, look, we do a podcast called unashamed. And I think the best thing that you can do for your kids condition. And you are, are found in the spiritual principles of this Bible. And yeah. so I, I, went, I did a deal on the fruit of the spirit, you know, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. So I'm like, because you, you don't know who's, even if people are believers, these are families that we've helped and we invited them and they came and we just, we paid every, you know, every, everybody's contributions paid for the for the weekend. And so then they go out and post pictures and tell people and we spread the word and basically form this community. So you can go to miamu.org and check it out, or I'm sure there's various Facebook pages, or you know, consider, uh around the miamu and, and see the pictures and see, see about the weekend. You did a good deed there, Jace. You did. You did. Let's take a quick break, and then we'll get into
2: Matthew, I think, chapter 12. So, Jace, you just got a new house. I know we've talked about it a lot. It's in Nashville?
1: Yeah, south of Nashville. How's it going? Oh, it's going good. I'm I'm a farmer. Well,
2: well, I'm in the business of buying properties myself, um, and your credit score matters when you buy properties. Did you know that even an okay credit score can cost you $100,000 over the life of a 30-year loan? That's why you should use a ScoreMaster before you apply to any loan scoremaster can take your credit score from just okay to great very fast i've actually used this myself Increased my i don't i think i increased my credit score by like 60 or 70 points uh, it got me over that 710 mark where i got preferred uh, i got the preferred lending rate it only takes minutes to enroll you can see your points and get more points and qualify for the lowest loan rate and here's what you do you visit scoremaster.com Slash Phil, that's scoremaster.com, slash Phil to get started today. So, wh- yeah, where we leave off at was it Matthew twelve?
1: I have no idea. I mean, between the uh, <laughs> between the weekend and uh, I, I did a, another event before the weekend in uh, in Natchitoches, the oldest town in Louisiana. Established in seventeen fourteen. That's what got my attention because I thought I'm gonna go down there and share Jesus, but I may get some, some people who own some property that I can yeah. treasure on. Well, that's where
2: they that's where they filmed uh I think they filmed still steel magnolias in that town, didn't they?
1: What I'm is steel sure. magnolias?
2: You don't it's like a Famous movie that came out in the late nineties with. Well, the, it must uh, not
1: be too famous because I've never heard of it. It's <laughs> not a western.
0: A, a few months ago, well, that's where they had the uh, the H- H- Sportsman's Hall of Fame. Oh, oh, Phil, yeah. a lot of people that I
1: when I was there, they said I saw your dad at the at the Hall of Fame. Yep. So, so
0: it was a big big event. A lot of uh, past globe trotters. Uh, Muscle men, uh, <laughs> muscle. <laughs> yeah, the the winner of about six years in a row. I mean, who's got the who's got the meat on them? I mean, you know, just working body out. Bodybuilders, bodybuilders. He so he was the king of the bodybuilders. I can't remember his name, but uh, so I was along with them. Mine was of the outdoors part. But uh, but it was in Natchez, old 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 brick streets, you know. But yep. uh, it was a it was a good thing to f- remember some of the past heroes that come out of Louisiana, basketball players and football players.
2: Well, you got Carl Malone, you got uh, Terry Bradshaw. Yep. You got yeah, you got some stars. Was well, Terry
0: Bradshaw yeah. there? No, he he wasn't. I didn't see Terry, but I saw. Most of the ones, you know, were the ones being inducted. Some of them are, were older by now. Of oh, I see. So it was just whoever was inducted. That's yeah, right. I guess, yeah. yeah. They had a ceremony, but it was in Nacogdo's. But I thought it was pretty cool. Pretty cool thing. Yeah. I was like, I saw the water
1: tower when it said established 1714. I was yeah. like, now that's old. That's old. That is old.
0: They have a museum there, and it's uh, everybody that's been inducted. And, uh, you can go through, you know, you know, behind the glasses, you know, this little cubicles about all the people who've gone before us, you know, sportsmen of all kinds, some athletics, some outdoorsmen like myself. But, uh, I thought it was a pretty cool thing as far as bringing your fellow man together and showing people the different. uh, there's a standard in the Bible that's throughout the Bible, the ones of, uh, that you wouldn't think were worth something. In, Rome, in Matthew, where we are right now, Jesus is showing the, the kingdom of God that everyone on planet Earth, that means the ones with, uh, born with various ailments and whatever, everybody is worth, has worth. Which, uh, Jase, that was a good, good, <coughs> good thing y'all did. By yeah, there. one of
1: the things I did in my yeah. sermon was uh, I went to Acts seventeen. I
0: mean, the downtrodden on planet Earth uh, sometimes uh, forget that, and we forget as their brothers and sisters, we forget that they they have worth, and we need to make sure they understand that.
1: Yeah, you know what I thought too. I noticed. When I was just looking at everybody around the pool, and we had all kind of different, the makeup of society from, you know, African-American families to Latino families to just Caucasian families. I mean, it was, and it was all different ages, and it was from all different parts of the country.
0: You have Jesus there, And, uh, and here comes this man, Romans 12, with a shriveled hand. So... It was some mm-hmm. kind of shriveled hand, but it could have been his mouth, his feet, right. his—you yeah. know—the uh, the whole gamut of of uh, various ailments, you know. And it so he stretched it out. He said, "Stretch out your hand," and the man did, and it was completely restored, just as sound as the other. And what is simply mind-boggling. But the Pharisees went out and plotted how they might kill Jesus over that, over that healing. So, Jace, there are some people mm-hmm. who, who will, will literally want to kill you because you helped the people with various ailments, which you think, is, is, our, is, is human nature that brutal? And unfortunately, I think uh, the word would be, yeah, they are that brutal. Yeah, I mean, you would think they'd have been jumping up and down saying, good night. But, but I mean, they're naysayers, Jace. Even when you did that in public and the families that have run up on the people with the shriveled hands and mouths and whatever else, you mm-hmm. say, you reached out to them, help me. If You were, in fact, he's showing you what the kingdom is like. And kingdom people will say, Th- those people have worth. Yeah, they they they're worth our love and they're worth our help. Yeah, cuz I mean their condition and there's not enough of it in this world, I tell you that, Jason. Unfortunately, no matter how much
1: insurance you have or money you have, the you know, you're in a position not only are you going to be uh your kids are going to suffer and you are I was talking to this Latino family and their their daughter we I don't know how we got talking about this, but they were just talking about when she was born, she was just constantly choking, getting choked. And and he was like, you know, I felt like I didn't sleep for months because <clears throat> you're just, I mean, you just think about that. You're you're constantly having to listen and hear, and you're just like, I mean, you're keeping them alive. Yep. And because uh, some kids struggle in, in different areas, but I thought, you know, it's just, now I understood that because I remember when Mia was born, we kind of went through the same thing for that first month, and you're kind of sleeping with one eye open and listen, Of course, she's in your room, and he's like, "Our daughter stayed in our room for ten years, you know, during the night because it just it was such a struggle." But you know, you try to explain that to other people,
0: and they're like, "Do I mean they have no concept of that? Don't I miserable?" In a in a culture where body beautiful is seeming at the top of the list Yeah, you say what about the ones who were born with physical ailments of all sorts what about mm. them when you get down to body beautiful you say they're human beings for crying out loud yeah well it's just the wrong our world has the wrong definition of beauty and, right. and it's yeah. basically
1: a mirage anyway i mean now through hollywood and social media you're, you're in with, what do they call it when they touch you up and uh, paintbrush and not paintbrush, airbrush. What do they call that? Uh,
2: Photoshop. Yeah, filters.
1: Photoshopping and filtering. Yeah. Well, by the time they yeah. get get through all that, you don't even recognize, after the you Pharise- wouldn't
0: recognize them and, and couldn't pick uh, them out of a lineup. Yeah, after the Pharisees went out and plotted how they might kill Jesus, aware of this, Jesus withdrew from that place. And many followed him, and he healed their sick, warning them not to tell who who he was. You know, and mm-hmm. then he talked about what Isaiah had said. You know, just under the radar, but but reaching out, and doing good. Sometimes it's just like what y'all did. That's that's uh, that's right out of the play the kingdom playbook, Jason.
1: Yeah, I had a lesson ready for this weekend because I just had been studying various things because you never know what's going to come up. But I didn't really give this. I mentioned it in a couple conversations, but you know, right after that situation where the friends are, they lower down the the paralytic through the roof, which Jesus said, "Friend, your faith." You know, so he called him friend. Well, a couple of chapters later in Luke's account of it, there's a real interesting story, and I think for people that have gone through what we have with me and those families. This is a real interesting story. This is Luke 8. I'll share this with you all and see see what you think. But uh, when Jesus had returned, a crowd welcomed him, for they were all expecting. Then a man named Jarius, a ruler of the synagogue, came and fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him to come to his house because his only daughter, a girl of about 12, was dying. As Jesus was on his way, the crowds almost crushed him, and a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years, but no one could heal her. She came up behind him and touched him at the edge of his cloak, and immediately her bleeding stopped. Who touched me, Jesus said. And when they all denied it, Peter said, Master, the people are crowding and pressing against you. But Jesus said, Someone touched me. I know that power has gone out from me, which is an interesting statement. Yeah. Then the woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, came trembling and fell at his feet. In the presence of all the people, she told why she had touched him and how she had been instantly healed. And then he said, daughter, which I think is interesting because this whole story started when a man came to Jesus and said, my daughter is dying. And now on his way to deal with that situation, he meets a woman who had been had this condition for 12 years. Well, representing families who go through what ours did in this weekend. See, we immediately, I immediately went back 12 years and I thought, here's a situation where a woman gets diagnosed with a condition cuz one of the other versions says she that she had pursued multiple attempts to be healed but nobody could heal her so she had seen doctors she had tried and when you look at the old law she was when you have this condition she was viewed as unclean so nobody could get around her mm-hmm. no one could touch her so so i think it's why jesus also did this cuz if she touched you then you were deemed unclean. Unclean.
2: Hey, let's take a quick, let's, let's take a quick break. Jace, when's the last time you've been over to Al's house?
1: Uh, I go over there every few days. It's in my neighborhood.
2: Have you sat on his new couch?
1: I have sat on that couch.
2: Well, every time I come in town, that's where I sleep now because it's so comfortable. Our friend, yeah, it's, uh, Pretty, pretty amazing. Our friends at Helix are now expanding. They've gone beyond the bedroom, and they started to make sofas. It's the one that Al's got in his house. It's called Form, And what makes Form really so cool is that it's the easiest way you can customize a sofa using uh, premium materials at a fraction of the cost of traditional stores, and it's extremely comfortable as well.
1: I figured it was because no matter what form you are, you can find comfort and peace. <laughs> they they made it to tag that
2: one yeah. that's pretty good okay. so here's what you do if you want to check out these couches so go to allform.com slash unashamed that's allform.com slash unashamed and you get 20% off all orders for our listeners that's allform a-l-l-f-o-r-m dot com slash unashamed for
1: 20% off so but I went back the 12 years, because think about it, we got a girl being born who they're happy and celebrating at the same time as this woman being diagnosed in a hospital saying you have some condition and you have to be banished from society and there's no cure. Yep. Well, now here's 12 years later, their paths are kind of crossing through the healer of, of somebody who can actually heal, which is is Jesus. But in that moment, I thought, yeah, a lot of people, like when we had our third kid, Mia, it was a whole different attitude at the hospital because we knew she was going to have some problems. And so, I mean, we were happy that she was going to be born and we could deal with it, but there was just a somberness to it all because we were trying to gauge the severity of it. Well, one of the women shared in our group session, you know, they didn't know. That their baby had this condition till till she was born, and so well, I mean, can you imagine? Because then, then all of a sudden, it's just mass chaos and all the problems that come along, you know, with that shock. So anyway, the, to get to the end of the story, uh, he says, "Daughter, your faith has healed you." And then, in verse forty nine, while Jesus was still speaking, someone came from the house and of Jairus, "Your daughter is dead." Well, now. He's been delayed. Now the 12-year-old girl has died. And so hearing this, Jesus said, Don't be afraid. Just believe, and she will be healed. So when he arrived at, at the house of Jairus, he did not let anyone go in with him except Peter, John, and James, the child's father father and mother. And it says, Meanwhile, all the people were wailing and mourning for her. Stop wailing, Jesus said. She is not dead, but asleep. They laughed at him, knowing that she was dead. And so, if I stop right there, some of the other versions, you know, he then you know told him to get out before he told her, you know, to get up. But I thought about all those laughing because a lot of our kids that were there for this past weekend have experienced the world, you know, laughing at them, making fun of them, or because kids can be. Be cruel. And then Jesus says, My child, get up, and her spirit returned. And at once she stood up. Then Jesus told them to give her something to eat, which is funny to me because, in the same way, you know, even in the conditions our kids have, you know, they all have trouble eating. But in this case, it was like a dead girl doesn't eat. Yeah. So he was proving the fact that that she was back. And you know, I only went through that story just cuz from our perspective and and putting that together with the paralytic going through the roof, ultimately, if you can get your sins forgiven, and there's a way to get the spirit of God that that Jesus ultimately made available, and you can live again, all our temporary problems here go away. They all go away because of that hope and assurance. But in the meantime, you see in these stories, there's a lot of pain. There's a lot of uh, difficulty brought on by the world and their narrative of what's wrong, like like deeming this woman unclean. I mean, she is sick. She had a condition. That's hard enough. But then she had to go through 12 years of loneliness and banishment which a lot of the kids that we work with, they have a similar issue with being abandoned and, yep. and and not being included. So that's why I was saying we go through those types of stories in a different way that yeah. seems to resonate a lot more with the people we're trying to help, and it wasn't our idea. I mean, I think God put these in here and experienced them so we could have a, a base to help other people the best way we can, you know
2: yeah I see the consistent theme throughout all of these miracles that Jesus is performing in Matthew um, a, a couple a couple consistent the, uh, uh, th- themes. One is obviously the supremacy of Christ and everything. Um, you know he says in Matthew 12 that he gives the whole thing about the temple. you know David's you know uh, in the temple eating the consecrated bread, he's like, if he ate, the, I mean don't you realize somebody's greater, greater than the, he said something is greater than the temple is here. You get down a little bit further, he talks about the sign of Jonah. He's like, something greater than Jonah's here. He's trying to testify to his greatness. But I think the secondary part for us in that is this is a very inclusive God. I mean, this is a God who wants to include us into his eternal community. And and I think that what's cool, like what you guys are doing with with these, was just one aspect of kingdom work, what happened with Miamu Foundation this weekend, but it's it's including people you know, it's getting people uh, into, a, into a community, into family. And those are little tastes and morsels of, I think, what, of who God is, you know. And mm-hmm. and, and a lot of people are hurting. A lot of people are, for a lot of different exactly. reasons, a lot of people listening to the podcast are hurting, you know. But I'm i encouraged when I read what Jesus is doing here with all these miracles, because they all, they're not just, he's not just doing these just to help people in the moment. He's he's instituting something much more sustainable than just a temporary healing He's he's building the case for his kingdom. That's what yeah. he's doing here, which yeah. is eternal.
1: Yeah, what's yeah. so what's so incredible to me is that we go through all these miracles and they're so awesome and and they're helpful to people who are in pain. Just because if you're if you're if you have a condition or your kids or well, you want someone with this kind of power to be on your side. If there's a way for that to occur. Now, whether it will be, you know, he wants to heal you here or heal you later, having that kind of being on your side is always a positive thing. But having said that, so you had this moment where he heals the guy with the shriveled hand in the first of chapter 12. When he gets to 38, some of the Pharisees and teachers of the law said to him, teacher, we want to see a miraculous sign from you. Well, he didn't like that. Because he says, a wicked and adulterous generation asked for a miraculous sign, but none will be given except the sign of the prophet Jonah, which is so crazy because then here's a man claiming to be God, tells a story, and they're like, well, what is the sign of Jonah? He said, well, as, for as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, the son of man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will stand up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it, for they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and now one greater than Jonah is here. So you're like, well, so let me get this straight. He then, here's the Son of God slash the Son of Man, tells a story when they ask for a miraculous sign that he's like, look, a couple thousand years ago there was a guy that got swallowed by a fish. They're like, huh? I mean, this is a side story, to be honest. Let's take a quick break. So I had a chance to talk to these
2: uh, guys from GoodRanchers.com this week. These are really good guys. They live in Louisiana. They are really passionate about beef. And they asked the question, when's the last time you think you've had American meat? Chances are it's been way too long. I didn't know this, but 80% of grass-fed beef in the U.S. is actually imported from overseas. Not the case with our good friends at Good Ranchers. They travel the country on a mission to help the American family. How? Well, by working together with local farms. So they, they work with these local farms and they identify top quality beef. They're going to send me a box. Jace, I think you're getting a box too. It's a, a meat subscription. The good thing about this, uh, this group of guys is that you typically do these uh, meat subscriptions this is like 50% of the cost of your traditional, about half the price of, of some of your other uh, meat companies that ship, ship to you. But Good Ranchers delivers American craft beef and better than organic chicken. They have T-bones, fillets, strips, gourmet burgers, and more. And the price is literally half the price of, of their online competitors. Uh, we love their beef. Al has cooked it a lot. I think Jay, you guys respect Jay's cooking a lot. He's cooked these a lot. Um, you get the steakhouse quality you deserve at a price every family can afford. So here's what you do. You go to goodranchers.com, and you can subscribe today. You do their subscription box, and you can save 20% on each box of mouth-watering meats. Uh, subscribing brings the cost down to less than $5 a meal. Plus, right now, you get an additional $20 off and free express shipping if you go to goodranchers.com fill or use our code fill at checkout. That's $20 off and free express shipping at GoodRanchers.com slash Phil. Know where your meat comes from with GoodRanchers.com.
1: And then he's going to compare that to the death, burial, and resurrection. Well, it's easy for us to understand it because we know what he meant. But just put yourself in their shoes. They're thinking... You're, you're, you're talking about a,
0: being swallowed by a fish for three days? Jews demand miraculous signs, Paul told the Corinthians, and Greeks look for wisdom. But We pe- preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews, and foolishness to Gentiles. But to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. It's why it's bigger than man's wisdom. Right. So in the midst of all that, what y'all were doing, you were showing them Jesus. If not Jesus, Jace, who? Well, ultimately... What, ultimately to deal with yeah, the, that, with what nothing. the world, what life itself can throw at you while you're <laughs> on the earth, all kinds of maladies and sicknesses and disease and like the ones y'all work with, with the the uh, especially the facial... Uh, damage that uh, these things give them yeah. you, you look at this you say if not Jesus well who where do we go there's yeah. nowhere else to go Jace.
1: well I made a point I made a point uh, when I was talking to him I was like you know I was angry and sad when I first learned that our daughter was going to have this condition because I thought well I mean can we not just heal this right right well, now
0: some unwittingly blame God for it all right and
1: I thought, but you know, Jesus, I mean, God chose to do his, his best work with Jesus being allowed to suffer, to be beaten, and ultimately die on a cross. And I thought the greatest is the greatest act of love was really done in, in suffering and, and physical abuse, done to him. Plus
0: his so, power, he said when the apostle Paul said, I got this ailment, but Jesus basically said, suck it up. But he, Jesus said, my power is made perfect in weakness. Yeah, Which a lot of people miss that, Jace. Well, I
1: now believe, and I've seen it in my daughter, because it was difficult for us. You know, I had a little team meeting with the, the volunteers and when we were trying to figure out what we were going to do this year, and I was like, you know, I talked to Mia, and I was like, I think you need to you need to lead us in this because I can't relate mm-hmm. to what you've gone through and I just think if you do this in the name of Jesus and and with God in mind and with your experience I just think it'll be a better experience but you've got to step up and do it and so she did but it was hard for the team cuz she's the you know she's only 18 <laughs> And so I kept telling them, I was like, "Look, even if she fails or does something not as good as that we would have done it, I think we should. We should, if we're going to do this, let let's do it." Of course, what happened was, you know, if you, look, it was way better than anything we've ever tried to do, because she had that experience and that knowledge of going through what they what they went through. So in her mind, even though she's eighteen. She just had better ideas from where it was to what we're going to do to how we're going to do it. It was just better.
0: Because she had felt the, the, the treatment of it
1: all. Well, right. And I said there's, some, there's, there's a positive to having gone through this. And one of them is that we're never going to be on her level of understanding on how we can help. That's right, and so I said that she got that from God, not us. Mm-hmm. And so it really worked, and it it really made Romans five, which is kind of our overall theme for the Miamu. You know, the the weekend was the First John three about about whose we are despite you know the suffering, but that Romans five, you know, that says we rejoice even in our sufferings. Of course, we always think about suffering for. Jesus in this light but if you just look at it in principle if you suffer it says it produces perseverance and perseverance character and character hope no doubt about and it hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his his love in our hearts by the holy spirit and these are all those things that you can't touch physically the the fruits of the holy spirit so i went i went yeah. I went through that. And then it goes on to say, but God demonstrates his own love for us. While we were sinners, Christ died for us, which is what I was trying to get get to. Just look at the pain and suffering that he went through. And it was ultimately for a greater good that is almost indescribable.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: Which, Which also is what the Bible says is why he can relate to us and why he can be an advocate for us is because he dwelt among us, you know. Had yeah. his, and it's like Mia, she can relate, obviously, better to kids that have gone through cleft palates, uh, uh, um, whatever, you know, associated with that because she's lived that life. And so Jesus lived our suffering, and so he can relate to us, you know. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, I think that's interesting. I was thinking, Phil, you mentioned earlier just the centrality of Jesus again. Um, you think about this, though. I was, I was thinking about these Pharisees that keep popping up over and over and over again, this Matthew yep. 12 story. Yep. It's 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 funny that they that they asked for a sign, on the heels of everything he just did. I'm like, uh, you, you, you would think Jesus's answer would have been, "I just showed you a sign, and you guys rejected it." You know, the the part where he um, heals the the guy, the uh, demon possessed man who was blind and mute, uh, and when he healed him. Jesus cast out the demons and then the Pharisees basically say that you, what you're doing is of the power of the devil. And then Jesus makes this incredible kind of argument was basically that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Because if I'm of the devil, why would I cast out my own demons? Like yeah. a house divided is not going to stand, right? He's like, yeah. you idiots, like you people, you, you, you hate the truth. And that's when he goes to this whole thing about... Blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. He says, "I tell you in verse thirty-one, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven, people. But the blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven. Whoever speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven, but whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven either in this age or the age to come." And I think the reason why that's true is is because you you mentioned Jesus is the way, the only. He is the answer. He's all of it. But you're not going to hear about Jesus unless the Holy Spirit tells you about Jesus. Yep. If you reject the Holy Spirit, there, there's nothing for you. And that's the cardinal sin of the Pharisees is that they rejected the Spirit who was the agent of God who was going to deliver the believer into all truth. So I don't know, let's take a quick break.
1: So would you say that a, another way to say that is if you think you can do this without God, it's... It's just not a a launching pad for success, or you know, or of having that. When you think you can do it on your own, because basically suffering is allowed to show us that our, our need for God. Would you agree? Well,
2: yeah, you can't. Yeah, I would totally agree, and I think suffering too is is in this world because God has. Um by the way that's like the number 1 question that people have who are have difficulty putting their faith in God is why would a why would a good God allow these bad things to happen uh you know, in apologetics is called the problem of evil any of our listeners who want to you know go down that rabbit hole you google the problem of evil you can kind of look into some of what the great writers have written about but but I think the answer is the reason why bad things happen is cuz people I mean, sin did enter the world through Adam and Eve, and yeah. and as a result, I mean, there's bad things that happen to people, like calamities, natural calamities, or what happened to you know with Nia. She didn't do anything to cause that. Sometimes, you know, maybe sinful people hurt people, but I think in the end, as, as God is wanting to build a picture uh, that this is a temporary place for us. Um, right. What's that song we? Used to, what's the song we used to sing? That this world is not my home. I'm just a passing yeah. through.
1: Yeah, I agree. I've said before that suffering happens a lot of times from your sin or somebody else's sin or just living in a world that where darkness is. Yep. I mean, that's just the way it is. But Jesus coming to earth ultimately solved those problems. Yep. Now, there may be pain and physical problems along the way, but ultimately him having the power to heal physically and to forgive sins. That's why I just think that's really important that, that those two contrasts are around all those miracles. He would forgive people sins, but he would also heal them. And he would say, so you'll know I have authority to, to forgive sins. I'll heal. Well, if somebody has that kind of power, there's nothing that you can dream up that can happen to you physically that's actually a problem if that guy is in your corner. Yep. Yeah. Even from raising this 12-year-old from, from the dead, well, what what, what is the problem? Mm-hmm. If, if he can raise a 12-year-old a girl from the dead, at some point, if I have faith and trust in him and he has faith and trust in me, I'm coming out of that ground. Mm-hmm. It's just a fact. So I think it's more about, okay, i got to put this pain and suffering and the physical ailments in perspective here and, and think big picture.
0: That's good.
1: Yeah. Well, I, I want to ask you again about this because a lot of people have asked about the blaspheming the Holy Spirit as the unforgivable sin. and Because I know you've done more study on that, Zach, than we have. So, how would you simplify that? What what the issue is here, and I guess where people get it wrong, maybe.
2: Yeah, I would say that the prim- first, I would identify what is the primary role of the Holy Spirit, like what's his primary purpose, and um, most people, no, I don't say most people. Um, the way I grew up hearing about the Holy Spirit was, well, first of all, it, it was referred, uh, he was referred to as an it. Not an actual person, and and I think I thought of the Holy Spirit as more of that emotional experience that you have, you know, in church when the music's just right and you yeah, you feel you just you have that feeling. Or well, the uh, chill the spirit, bumps,
1: you know. Yeah, yeah, the spirit's bumps. moving,
2: the spirit's yeah. here, and I'm like, well, no, the spirit was already here before that happened, you know. But yeah. but you read in the text of John 14 through John 17 when Jesus tells us that the Holy Spirit's coming he's telling his disciples, because he's about to be crucified, he's basically like, look, I'm about to leave, um, but I don't want you to be sad, because um, if I don't leave, it's better for you that I leave, because if I don't leave, the, the, the Counselor's not going to come, the Spirit's not going to come. But when he comes, he's going to guide you in all truth, talking to his disciples. Um, but you, you read that, that text, he's gonna, go read it, John 14 to John 17. It's pretty clear that the primary role of the Holy Spirit is to deliver the believer into all truth. I mean, it, it's, to, it's to show us the truth. Um, but John 16 says that when the Spirit comes, He's going he's to do three things. He's going to convict the world about sin. He's going he's to convict us about righteousness and about judgment. In other words, when He comes, the Spirit's going to be the one that tells you that you're guilty and you need to repent, turn to God. He, he says he, He's going to convict you about righteousness. He says, cause Jesus says, because I'm going to the Father where you can't no longer see me. In other words, it's going be—it's easy. easy to do the right thing when you got the Son of God walking around with you. But I'm leaving, but that's okay because the Spirit's going to come move in you. That's your sanctification. He's going to help you to live a righteous life. And then three, he says he—he he, he tells us about the—the—the the, the judgment that's coming because the prince of this world now stands condemned. In other words, I'm going to win. So so simply put, if the role of the Spirit is to tell us about the truth of Jesus, that's his role. And we reject that, and we reject Him, we reject truth. Then there's nothing left for you. It's the Hebrews yeah. six passage that says if you reject, uh, you know, if you reject this after you've received it, there's nothing left for you other than fearful expectation. It's the Hebrews ten passage, where you, 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 it's it's the rejection of truth. So to blaspheme the Holy Spirit is to it's the ultimate rejection of truth. And if you reject truth, then how are you gonna repent and turn to Jesus? And well, in the, in
0: the grand scheme of things, the human race <clears throat> is saved through the suffering, brutal suffering, of someone else. It's the it's the linchpin that saves us. So when 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 Jesus told Peter, with all of Peter's mistakes and everything, he said, "Look." Uh, When you were young, you went where you wanted, but when you're old, you'll stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this, and we need to remember, to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Even the Apostle Paul, all of them, all these people went through extreme suffering and their deaths were brutal deaths but but jesus said i'm just going to use you to glorify me to show you i'm the way i'm the truth and i'm I'm beyond physical death and then when you talk about all the illnesses and diseases of so many you can't even drum them (coughs) all up he uses all that so that he is to be glorified because he said I have solved every bit of that. All the suffering and all. I've given yep. you eternity. It's all worth it. I'm the only one that can do it because you have eternal life over all of it. So just mm-hmm. keep everything in context. I'm here. I'll deliver you. And don't worry about it. Don't worry about the ones who can kill the body. You remember? He said, but the ones that get killed both body and soul in hell, that's, that's the one you want to worry about. So... That has to be interjected, you know, especially with all the physical ailments we see here. Oh. He just said, basically, live with it. It's the way it is. My, 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 your suffering is producing what I like to see.
2: Yep. Well, well said. Well, as Al would say, uh, we're done, out of time, and we'll try to do better next time.
1: <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Unashamed podcast.